Welcome to Healing Wisdom, a Thursday morning talk show featuring guests sharing their stories and knowledge. We discuss the healing aspects of the arts, metaphysics, social justice, and adventure through all types of terrain. So join me, Pandora Peoples, here on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. We're streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. My guest today is visual, conceptual, and performance artist and environmental activist, Jay Critchley. Welcome, Jay. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you. So we met at the Provincetown International Film Festival where you hosted some local filmmakers at a meetup at your underground septic theater. I would love for you to tell us about the significance of the septic theater and just how underground do you have to be to perform there? Well, it depends on your spiritual connection to the universe. Because if we're living above ground in a cloud... What is our relationship to the underground? So that's what, it's this conscious, subconscious demarcation that we all deal with every day in our lives. So to me, the deeper you can get underground, the more you're able to appreciate the fresh air ab- above ground. I spent some time in your dead Christmas tree temple for the Madonna of the four vacuums, all of the four winds, in your outdoor artscape. So have you always been an installation artist, and how did moving to Provincetown transform you or your art? Now, that's a big one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, starting with the installation in my backyard, which uh, last winter after the big Christmas storm there was a lot of erosion and when I was out on the back shore there were piles of roots and branches that I'd never seen before the erosion had brought them up onto the beach and I was kind of you know drawn to them and I hauled them all back to my yard and I thought okay I'm going to redesign my whole backyard I decided to create this grotto And it's sort of, I think it's about 15 feet in diameter, a circular space made out of these roots and branches and with some discarded Christmas trees from the dump. And so I called it the Rerooters Resort Grotto. It's a space that kind of reflects and mimics the circular space of the septic theater in the ground. So they kind of align with each other like the stars. It's really a a space for the community to use. It's a gathering space. And so above this circular grotto is a giant circular wreath that I, somebody was driving into the dump and my friend said, hey, bring that over to Jay's place. So it's about a 10 foot in diameter wreath. So anyway, it's a space for meditation, for, you know, dinner for two, for performance, maybe for some intimate connections. You know, mm-hmm. you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. That's that's my recent uh, project that I that I created this year. Yeah. So, can you talk about the word rerouters and where your New Year's celebration came from? I was at the Provincetown dump, the landfill we call it now, um, uh, in uh, the early '80s, and. Um, you know, that was a time when there was no recycling. Everything was just piled up, meat and chicken bones and turkey bones and 
you know, Christmas wrappers and after Christmas, and there are all these trees just lying around on this pile of garbage. And I thought, well, let's create a forest. So I stood up all these, you know, discarded Christmas trees in the dump itself, so it became a forest dump. And then, of course, Forrest Gump stole the idea. You know, I, this happens. Um, so I got the idea, well, what if we could try to reroute these trees, you know, to put them in the ground and see if they'll actually, we can grow them again. So I started putting these dead Christmas trees around town. And, uh, and that's kind of, kind of the beginning of the idea of rerouting. And so it's, it's about reclaiming our connection with our in, intelligent relatives, uh, you know, the insects and the animals, the bacteria that we are, you know, part of, they're our kin. That is kind of the concept is to reimagine what the world would be like if we all related to all living things equally and non-living things as well. For years now, you've embodied Miss Tampon Liberty, and you are the CEO of Tacky Tampon Applicator Creative Clubs International. As the oldest son and the brother of six sisters, how many bathrooms did you share? Did seeing their hygiene rituals have anything to do with your eco-consciousness? The first six of us Irish Catholic American family um, were born within five years. So I'm actually an Irish twin, which I was born in January. My sister Jerry was born in December of the same year. Wow. So, (laughs) you know, yeah, we had one uh, bathroom, one full bathroom with a handheld shower. There wasn't even a shower. It was just a bathtub, basically. So um, it was a little hectic getting out of, you know, to school in the morning. You know, with six sisters, I never saw a tampon in the house. You know, like, you know, it's this invisibility, this, you know, like it's secret. You know, of course, this is back, way back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was um, when I started collecting the plastic tampon applicators off the beaches in 1979. That was the most prevalent discard on the beach at the time, you know, because the Boston sewerage system was dumping them into the bay. Every time it rained, everything went into the bay and they floated across, you know, and of course there are no boundaries there. You can find them all over the world. I've had people send them to me from Asia and Japan and places in South America. So anyway, I started collecting them and I was, you know, had them around my house. I was making things with them. Someone said, what, do you know what those are? I'm like, no. <laughs> um <laughs> So uh, that that took me on an incredible journey of following, you know, the whole idea of menstruation and um, the toxic shock syndrome and the toxicity of menstrual products, as well as the effect of the materials in the ocean, marine debris, but also um, to the source of these products, which is fossil fuels. And unfortunately, you know, we're all very aware now of fossil, of of plastics. It's a big issue. What do we do about plastics? How do we get rid of them? Are we making too much? But 
the reality is is that we've been lied to and we've been hoodwinked by the fossil fuel companies into feeling guilty that it's our fault that climate change is our fault because we're using these plastic products and that we need to recycle our way out of this. They have, you know, given us that lie and we have bid it and taken it. The reality is, is that the fossil fuel industry is subsidized and heavily subsidized by the government and that's where we need to be looking is, is to stop these subsidies because basically the plan is that you know we're still creating new oil sites, we're still digging for oil in Alaska, other places, despite all the you know opposition. So it's a, it's a major issue, but but really we need to look at fossil fuels. Recuerdos de un ayer que fue pasión, el suave titilar que ayer yo vi en tu dulce mirada. That was Eliana Cuevas with Como Llora Una Estrella. This is Healing Wisdom. I'm Pandora Peoples. Our guest today is artist Jay Critchley. You were the keynote speaker at a recent convention in Scotland. Can you share a bit about that experience? Yes. um, A woman named Camilla from Norway um, came across my work several years ago and and became very interested. She's doing research on women's health and, and menstrual products. And so she started, we started communicating, and she wrote a couple of articles in, in some of her journals. And and so I was invited to be the keynote speaker at this conference in St. Andrews um, in just a month ago, a, couple, a month or two ago. The conference was on menstruation and sustainability. So there were mostly um, research um, faculty, people, you know, doing research from like 15 countries around the world and, and dealing with issues of menstruation, of plastics, toxicity. And um, it was in uh, Scotland. Now, Scotland is the first country to provide universal menstrual products for free. Everyone gets free menstrual products, which is a real great because, you know, they're an issue for a lot of girls and young women, can't afford it. There's a still a lot of stigma about it. So um, so I, I gave a talk as the keynote speaker, and then I put on my Miss Tampon Liberty gown and you know led people down to the beach. It's right on the North Sea. Um, and so I walked down to the beach, and the beach is has these 200-foot cliffs and a castle on top of it. <laughs> And uh, I did a ceremony and ritual there with music, with a song, and um, and it was um, incredible. Really, it was fun. Tell us about Day Without Oil. Well, that's a project I started maybe fifteen, twenty years ago. It started with the idea of Day Without AIDS. Yeah. You know, World AIDS Day started out 
basically as a day without art because so many artists were dying of AIDS in the 80s and then it became a World AIDS Day. Um, and uh, so my idea was that if, if everyone stopped using oil for a day, what, how much money would be saved or donated, you know, asking people to donate the amount to an organization that's, that's fighting AIDS or, or environmental organization. So I figured out how many gallons a person used a day and how much that was worth. And so it was just the idea of, of reckoning with the numbers, you know, like the, what do we actually, each person, average use? Uh, and uh, so that was one of the projects, a Day Without Oil, was like, let's imagine, and then maybe it could be two days without oil, and maybe it could be a year without oil. And, and of course, you know, we know there's a transition, but um, it needs to happen more quickly. So here in Provincetown, you gave a TED Talks about being a corporation. Well, yes. Um, a lot of my work dating back to the early 80s was recognizing that the corporations have an undue influence in, in our society. I mean, this is even long before Citizens United, you know, which the Supreme Court decision, which allowed corporations to basically give as much money as they want to individual political candidates. So I was concerned back in the 80s, so I set up a number of corporations. I have about a dozen corporations that I become CEO of, president. You know, it provides me a platform of influence, an influencer as a president of CEO of Tacky or the NRC, the Nuclear Recycling Consultants. Um, or the IRS, my, my rerouters ceremony I do every year is sponsored by the IRS, which is the International Rerouter Society. So I, I did a TEDx talk called The Portrait of an Artist as a Corporation. So what I, you know, what I was saying was that if corporations can be individuals, which is what the Supreme Court has stated, which is preposterous, but that's what's going on, uh, they have the rights of individuals, then why can't I be a corporation? Why can't individuals be corporations? That would give me great bankruptcy protection and tax write-offs and all kinds of legal protection as a corporation. If they're going to share the rights that I have as an individual, then we should be able to become. So that was that was the concept. Um, and... Uh, you know, when I when I appear as a president of a corporation, you know, I have my suit and tie on, and you know, I'll, sometimes I'll give a press conference or I'll speak as CEO, depending on where I'm, you know, speaking or where I'm asked to talk. So you say in this talk, the personal is planetary. So, do you think we all need our own brand of? brazen should we all incorporate 
Not a bad idea. <laughs> well, I came up with the idea of personal as planetary from personal as political from the women's movement. So it's sort of taking it to the next level. So the personal is planetary. So really, we all need to be thinking, you know, beyond not only ourselves, but to the earth and obviously to the environment. And um, one, one project I did related to that was global yawning. So it became evident to me in my research that when we yawn, it cools our brain. And, you know, there's a, there's a lot of studies showing. And also with, with penguins, it's actually a, a sort of a mating ritual is yawning. So I thought, okay, if, if everyone in the world yawned, if we had a yawning day, it would cool the planet. <laughs> it would definitely glo cool our brain. Glo glo <coughs> global yawning. Yes, yeah. Our collective brains. <laughs> yeah. Think that what that would do to the to the um, synapses in our brains and the synapses in the in the land. That was Onye Fiore with Feel the Light. You've been taking the prayer ribbons for the Pulse nightclub shooting in Florida to Orlando? Yes. They were most recently displayed outside Orlando City Hall. Can you talk about this memorial? Yeah, the prayer ribbon started at the Swim for Life. Uh, this is our 36th year this year on September 9th. If you'd like to swim or kayak or volunteer, please join us, swim4life.org. <laughs> um, so we started um, the Met when we were at the boat slip. We needed some visual witnessing of, of the event on this fantastic space. We came up with the idea of five-foot-long colored prayer ribbons. People could write messages on them, but not just to people who have died, but people that you want to honor in your life, people that are part of our network of caring in the community. So uh, right now we have around 4,000 ribbons. And um, so when the Pulse nightclub shooting happened in 2016, my board of the Provincetown Community Compact and swim for life people we just said we have to do something and so we decided to create a special strand of ribbons for the victims of the shooting so we took a 40-foot strip of colored ribbons that were already had messages on them and we intertwined the 49 black ribbons with the names of in gold of all the victims on the strand of ribbon we had a ceremony at Town Hall, and then uh, we were invited to come down to 
uh, Orlando. We met privately with the families of the victims. Uh, we actually have a little uh, a video on our website, thecompact.org, uh, that um, about this journey of the prayer ribbons, which Lise King produced and directed. And um, so we've been down there almost every year except during COVID. And uh, I, I, so last, I just returned recently, um, uh, June 12th is the anniversary. So I went down there and there's a ceremony at the ribbons in front of City Hall and the mayor uh, and myself and other people are speaking about this, this gift to the city that every year we're invited to come. If you're just joining us now, you're listening to Healing Wisdom on Outermost Radio. I'm Pandora Peoples, and we're speaking with visual conceptual performance artist and environmental activist, Jay Critchley. Your swim for life, can you talk about how it began, and then also at what temperature will the ocean need to be to officially change it for swim for your life? (laughs) Well, it already is swim for your life. The water temperature, I would say, has increased at least five degrees or more in just the last five or ten years. It used to always be like in the low 60s, give or take a few degrees. But uh, the last few years, it's been 70, 70 70-something degrees. It's, uh, well, you know, the event actually started as an environmental uh, idea. Uh, my friend Walter and I were swimming at the Boat Slip Beach uh, in 1988, and it was the year that there was a lot of marine debris and needles and stuff washing up on beaches around New England. They were actually closing beaches, uh, kind of for the first time. And, were, and we were looking at magnificent Providence Town Harbor and saying, we have this incredible resource, this beautiful space here. Why don't we celebrate it? So. Eventually, we got a boat, and we went over to Long Point, and we swam across. Because people said, you know, the bluefish are feeding. There weren't any sharks. No one was talking about sharks back then, although they were around. <laughs> um, anyway, so we, we did the swim. And then two weeks later, we, we announced we were doing this. Uh, we said, let's do a benefit for AIDS. So that was the first swim in 1988. And has it changed over the years? Certainly, it's it's evolved organically. Uh, you know, a few years after we started it, um, like the first year, all we had on the beach was a jug of water. You know, and and we 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 hadn't even thought like how were we going to get back from Long Point. We just let we started at the beach, swam to Long Point, and then we're like, oh, how are we going to get back to town? We had to wave down at one of the fishing boats. Could you take us back? Um, and I'd say the third year we realized, you know, that we needed wetsuits. It would be good to have wetsuits to loan to people, which we do now. Um, and then uh, a, few, a couple years later, um, Helen Rozuski started the Mermaid Brunch, which was to have this big event and uh, feed people, have entertainment after the swim. So that evolved. And, uh, and then it just sort of grew, you know, organically uh, every year. Um, you know, some years there were more people. Eventually it ended up being like 400 swimmers from around the world, you know, all over New England, all over the U.S. Um, and we always had a, an artist that created, a new artist created a design. This year, Erna Partol has 
this fabulous design you'll see on T-shirts, which are available at Siemens Bank downtown. Um, and um, it's called New, New Day's Promise. Yeah, I would say, um, and of course, we've raised a lot of money. Um, and then during the pandemic, we had people swimming in place around the country in 33 states. People have that much passion for Provincetown that they were creating an event in a swimming pool, a river, a lake, you know, to support Provincetown. And this is happening this year, September 9th. Yeah, the 36th annual. And folks can register, can they register same day at the Cannery Wharf? Uh, people can register the same day, but we like to encourage people to register ahead of time, and uh, they can set up their own personal funding page and um, collect funds and donations from their so friends. So folks can go to swimforlife.org to register and get more details. Yes. WOMR is a sponsor. WOMR is a sponsor. We, ha we have, we have a, a number of sponsors. We have about... 20 sponsors this year. You know, I don't know if you want me to read them, but uh, Farland, Venezes, of course, um, Siemens Bank is our lead sponsor. They provide volunteers. We sell the shirts there. They, they handle all the money the day of the swim. Arts Dune Tours, the Funk Bus, Bay State Cruise, Cranberry Square Dermatologist, M.A. Frazier Disposal, the Boat Slip, Tito's Handmade Vodka, The Palette Fund, Lobster Pot, Berta Walker Gallery, Scott Allegretti, Masthead Resort and Cottages, Cape Air, Premier Real Estate, Coyote Kayak, Sal's Place, Harbor Dental Associates, Gramercy Park Foundation, and WOMR. Like, really great support. And I'd like to say that the beneficiaries, could I say who? The beneficiaries, are the primary beneficiaries are the aid support group of Cape Cod helping our women in Outer Cape Health Services. And we also support the Provincetown Rescue Squad, the Soup Kitchen in Provincetown, Provincetown Schools, the Compact Community Fund, Accessible Provincetown, West End Racing Club, Cape Cod Children's Place, Nature Land Conservancy, and the Lily House. was Hobomak from Hiroya Sukumoto. Can you talk about the importance of ceremony? Why do we need ritual? Why do we need ceremony? Well, ritual is, is a visceral way for us to come together, especially with COVID and, you know, all this Zoom meetings, these, you know, impersonal virtual connections. But um, I think uh, in, deep down in our, in our soul, we're screaming to um, find a way to find meaning, to find connection, to find a way to transcend, uh, as my mother would say, the vicissitudes of life, 
that life is a veil of tears. We need to find the joy. So the ritual is a way to remind us that we are all connected. And we're not just connected to each other. We're connecting to our intelligent, non-human and human creatures that we inhabit in this ecosystem. So that is kind of what, what I see it as about. Beautiful. Wonderfully said, Jay Critchley. Thank you so much for being with us What today. a pleasure, and thank you for doing this show. You've been listening to Healing Wisdom at Outermost Radio. All of our shows are podcasts at WOMR.org. Also check out HealingWisdomRadioShow.com and contact me at Pandora at WOMR.org. theme music is provided by Mazin. You can find her website at mazinmusic.com. That's M-A-E-S-Y-N.